Welcome to Politics and Science. Politics and Science can be heard weekly on WMRW LP Warren 95.1 FM, airing on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at noon. And in the Bellows Falls area can be heard on Wool LP Bellows Falls at 101.1 FM, airing from 3 to 4 p.m. on Sundays and from 9 to 10 a.m. on Mondays. Politics and Science presents the viewpoints of its participants and does not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of any other person or organization. All right, I'm back on the air, and I believe I have Dr. Raymond Pete here. This is Politics and Science on the 30th of March, 2011. And uh, Dr. Ray Pete, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. And is there an echo? Uh, no. Okay, great. Tell me if there if it starts happening. Okay. Uh, Dr. Ray Pete is a physiologist and an endocrinologist from Eugene, Oregon, and has a website uh, with a lot of excellent articles on it on a variety of subjects, but mostly about physiology, and that can be found at raypeat.com. That's R-A-Y-P-E-A-T dot com. Ray, thanks so much for coming on Politics and Science again. Um, well, we've talked about radiation before, uh, but I think it was two years ago. We had two shows in a row. Oh, was it? I didn't know it had been that long. Yeah, it actually has. And um, But in light of the Fukushima power plant, um, which is in process of melting down as we speak, and probably will be over the next, I don't know how long. They're, they're, they've been unable to get control of it, so it'll probably keep going on for a few months. And there is quite a bit of radiation being given off uh, from that plant, uh, although the exact amounts are subject to debate, I understand. Um, but in light of that happening, I thought we should revisit uh, radiation and do it in the context of your recent a very excellent newsletter, which was entitled Radiation and Growth, came out this January, uh, 2001. And if people go to uh, Dr. Pete's website, uh, they can read a lot of those newsletters online. And also, I believe you can sign up for the newsletter and get it hot off the press. If you, You're publishing that six times a year now, is that right, Dr. Yeah. Pete? Yeah. yeah. The reason I wrote that newsletter uh, last fall was uh, two things. The transportation safety people, um, uh, I think the echo is coming back. Yeah. The, the TSA um, instruments that irradiate people uh, had um, got my interest uh, up again in radiation, and then I saw that uh, there were people selling radioactive rocks uh, as therapeutic things, for example, to wear around your neck to uh, cure breast cancer and so on. And I saw that T.D. Lucky, who is now at least 90 years old, uh, was interviewed by one of these uh, rock ladies uh, talking about his radioactive rock that he liked to rub. And uh, I saw that since his history for 50 years has been serving the nuclear industry to tell people that radiation is good for you rather than harmful. 
I realize that uh, the with Obama and his nuclear uh, industry support that uh, T.D. Lucky and the uh, radioactive rocks were just part of an, a new wave of promotion of uh, uh, radiation uh, security ideas. Hmm. I see. And uh, T.D. Lucky, I think in this recent newsletter, you talked a little bit about how he worked and uh it was it was interesting so he was a spokesman for the for the Lawrence uh Livermore Laboratories oh um i heard about his um talks when i was talking about uh oh um Ernest Sternglass and his uh low level radiation book for example mm-hmm. um i talked to people who worked in the nuclear industry and they said oh that's that's rubbish uh, no one should read that stuff. It's all phony. And I found out that they had been given weekly seminars at the uh, nuclear factory uh, to debunk people like uh, uh, Goffman, Pauling, and Sternglass. And uh, T.D. Lucky was one of the regulars at those industry seminars to educate the workers that uh, that those people were such uh, lunatics and and phonies that uh, no no respectable person should even look at their publications. Mm. And uh, I looked up uh, some of the references that T.D. Lucky cites, and uh, one of them was published in a, a right wing crazy uh, medical journal, and. Uh, uh, others are published in nuclear-supported uh, radiation uh, protection journals, uh, basically uh, giving the, the nuclear industry position and uh, nothing from the real biologists. So when people are listening to this information that we're getting uh, from the mainstream press and from other sources, like even this radio station, how are they supposed to ascertain uh, who's got the accurate data and who doesn't? Well, if if you just read uh, the references cited by T.D. Lucky or uh, any of these people who are, are propagandizing against uh, Pauling and Goffman and Sternglass, and then if you read uh, Sternglass's books, for example, uh, you can judge for yourself. Uh, Sternglass... Uh, Pride some information out of the agencies, although much of it was just completely destroyed and not made available. Uh, but the information that he got was uh, very public, uh, very simple, factual, uh, oh, uh, population information, uh, mortality figures, and so on. Everything public and uh, uh, very sound and uh, absolutely in a different world from the uh, the political uh, fantasies that uh, the lucky people cite. Mm-hmm. And this talking about Ernest Sternglass uh, brings us back to some of the history that you cover in this newsletter, uh, again entitled "Radiation and Growth: Incoherent Imprinting from Inappropriate Radiation." And uh, I guess 
uh, Ernest Sternglass worked with Linus Pauling, who was famous as the Nobel Prize winner, um, and they were both working to stop atomic testing. Um, can you explain a little bit uh, why they got involved with that issue? Um, in the 50s, uh, Linus Pauling was talking about the uh, the, the genetic uh, effects of uh, even one alpha-emitting atom uh, ingested into the body. He was saying uh, that alpha particle delivers all of its energy uh, to uh, a very small area so if it hits a nucleus it'll either kill the nucleus or mutate it and uh, he said that every mutation uh, ultimately can be considered as a fatality even if it comes a hundred generations later uh, because it's uh, not introducing anything of value but simply destroying some information Hmm. but uh, he was emphasizing the the mutation damage done by uh, any radioactive isotope, natural or artificial. And uh, so that he said that any addition made to the background uh, radiation by the isotopes is uh, going to cause cancer. But the, the, the terrible thing is that uh, the fallout from nuclear reactors and atomic bombs uh, gets into the atmosphere as particles, which, when ingested, will eventually, uh, if they stay in the body, they'll eventually emit uh, a particle which will either kill a cell or, or probably cause uh, a mutation. And uh, so the um, he was already making that point between the the absolute difference between radiation that uh, you get while walking past a granite table or a granite bank or something uh, that passes through uh, delivers very little energy but uh, any single alpha emitting isotope that you swallow uh, is going to deliver all of its energy as that alpha particle is absorbed by the cells Mm. So it's, it's like an absolute uh, difference, uh, not just the, the idea of the sievert uh, or, the, or the ram uh, was the, the um, spoke of the, the Rentgen or the uh, energy of the radiation uh, coming out of a source. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rad as the absorbed, absorbed dose of radiation and the ram or the uh, equivalent in a, in a person and and the sievert is the new unit uh, referring to that uh, effective uh, dose but that effective dose unfortunately is part of the uh, obscuring the actual uh, dangers because they define effectiveness as um, a killing or a mutation. Again, uh, that's exactly what Linus Pauling was talking about, uh, in, in which any single uh, isotope particle uh, would be enough to um, 
cause cancer. But um, the the people who are defending the industry are using this uh, sievert unit or the radiation effectiveness uh, biologically uh, against the um, the Pauling Goffman uh, uh, Stern class people because effectiveness they are defining only in terms of mutation or killing mm. and so their journals are full of the uh, uh, showing how harmless uh, particular types of radiation are uh, if you don't kill the cell instantly and don't mutate it uh, so that you can find a, a broken uh, chromosome or a piece of of uh, changed DNA right after the exposure, then you have done no harm. And that's where uh, the, the situation is totally being falsified by the industry people. Uh, and uh, someone to, to check for the, the newer uh, view that even um, it, it goes far beyond what uh, Pauling and Goffman recognized the mutagenic effects of radiation. And Sternglass was, uh, he was forced to uh, recognize that there is something far beyond mutation and killing effect of radiation when he saw the um, uh, many changes that were happening around Three Mile Island uh, where he got his large numbers were in stillbirths, uh, uh, thyroid deficient uh, babies born or not born because of, of uh, miscarriage by the mothers after they had ingested the isotopes, uh, huge numbers of uh, underweight babies, miscarriages, and thyroid deficient uh, babies uh, were produced, and then when he followed up uh, all across the country, uh, he looked that the miscarriages and uh, uh, thyroid deficiencies uh, followed just in the number of months that you would expect uh, f from the damage to the um, developing embryo. Same with the uh, production of leukemia. It was intrauterine exposure that was producing leukemia. But then he looked at all across the country. He looked at the figures 18 years later in the scholastic aptitude scores. And uh, the first response uh, to his pointing out the falling scores, which happened uh, in Utah, there was a tremendous, I think it was a 26% decrease in the scores 18 years after the heaviest exposure to bomb tests. And uh, it right across the country, the scores decreased in proportion to the radiation exposure of the mothers 18 years earlier. Hmm. Uh, the first reaction was that, well, uh, more poor kids are now taking the tests. And uh, he showed that that was wrong. Uh, that, in fact, there were lots more poor kids who, who were scoring lower taking the tests, but he looked at the 
high range, the, the very highest scoring uh, students had decreased more. Uh, hmm. They were the most sensitive uh, to the destructive effects of uh, prenatal radiation exposure. And he didn't, uh, one of his co-authors uh, suggested that uh, in vitro experiments with uh, so-called cell membranes uh, showed that uh, the uh, free radical production propagated in these uh, membrane lipids and uh, would have an extreme sensitizing effect to a very small amount of radiation. Uh, but uh, that wasn't, that was a in vitro, somewhat hypothetical membrane thinking, but uh, uh, Sternglass showed that some mechanism must be causing this uh, much higher sensitivity than simply mutating or killing cells. Um, it's even the industry people pretty much have to accept that the um, uh, women who are exposed uh, while pregnant to the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs, uh, their children had smaller brains and were mentally retarded in proportion to the amount of radiation they got. And uh, that was uh, blamed on on just the uh, the killing of brain cells, mm -hmm. uh, but um, it, just recently, uh, a study in Seattle of women getting dental X-rays, uh, they would shield their whole body, uh, but if they got a whole set of dental X-rays, the, the women, pregnant women, uh, delivered underweight babies uh, from the uh, the general physiological effect something happened when their head was irradiated by the dentist that was transmitted to their whole body that uh, made the pregnancy less successful um, so the uh, the stern class effects uh, uh, are supported by by this kind of study that shows that uh, irradiation of any part of the body will affect the uh, success of the pregnancy. And when the baby is born underweight, the brain is also underweight, sometimes uh, uh, worse than, than the general underweight of the body. Uh, but so there's something uh, happening, lingering uh, for months after the exposure in these um, uh, actual experiences in people. Mm -hmm. um, 50 years after the people were exposed to the bomb in Japan and uh, 20 years after the uh, Chernobyl workers were exposed, uh, samples of their blood have been tested uh, with removing the, uh, the cells from their uh, serum uh, their serum was then uh, added to uh, healthy cells, and it was able to cause mutations or chromosome breaks even 20 to 50 years after they had been exposed. Uh, so uh, the dental x-rays 
affected the whole subsequent pregnancy, but here uh, people were demonstrating uh, lingering toxic effects uh, circulating in their body fluids mm-hmm. uh, decades if, after exposure. If I could just play um, uh, devil's advocate here, I would think that if somebody had survived for uh, 20 years with those uh, toxic um, uh, effects from radiation uh, in their blood and, uh, and were still alive, uh, then I would think that the body was coping with it. Is, is, is that not true? Uh, well, uh, the exposed people um, uh, had worse health and a higher uh, rate of death from mm-hmm. uh, all causes, infectious diseases, heart disease, uh, cancer, uh, uh, everything uh, reduced the population faster, but the healthiest of them who uh, survived a long time uh, still were radically injured. And uh, this, um, the, the fact that it can linger through a person's long lifespan, uh, studies have been done many times in animals and a few times in humans uh, showing that, for example, radiation to a man's head will be associated with birth defects in his offspring. Uh, Something is transmitted through his body Mm -hmm. uh, the same way it is through a woman's body, uh, affects his sperms, destabilizes them genetically uh, so that uh, the resulting offspring is genetically uh, disrupted. And the animal studies show that that sort of effect can go on generation after generation, uh, often getting worse each generation. It's once the uh, disorganization of the genome begins, uh, it um, can ultimately lead to the, the complete ending of the line. But sometimes it doesn't happen for several generations. Hmm. Um, do you know, uh, speaking of Japan, uh, previous uh, nuclear uh, horrors, which are the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, do you know uh, how that was studied? I had heard that uh, official uh, health studies of the effects of the bombing didn't start until three years after uh, the bombing, but perhaps I have that wrong. Do you, do you know anything about that, Ray? Um, it, there were lots of effects. I don't remember exactly when they started, but uh, both Goffman and uh, Sternglass have reviewed those, so it's worth looking at both of them. Uh, One of the tricks the government used was uh, to uh, draw a circle around the bomb and then take people who who were within a, a given radius of the bomb explosion and analyze their health but the bomb explosion uh, produced a cloud that went off in a, a triangular path according to the movement of the wind and the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, the inclusion of everyone within a radius 360 degrees around was just a, a very obvious trick to uh, dilute 
the actual effect of the people who got the fallout uh, in a concentrated form. I see. Instead of instead of comparing the downwinders to to a control group of no exposure. Uh, yeah, it was similar to um, adding Canadians and Argentines to the the Hiroshima population to mm-hmm. to include people in a radius who didn't get any radiation exposure at all. Right. And so these, uh, going back to Ernest Sternglass and Linus Pauling, who were uh, campaigning to stop above-ground testing of atomic weapons, uh, how were how was his studies and uh, Linus Pauling's studies received? And and, and oh, uh, well, uh, I was one of the the people uh, talking about uh, the difference between. Uh, John Goffman and Linus Pauling. John Goffman was saying Linus Pauling was a, a neurotic and a quack. Hmm. And I was saying that John Goffman is either insane or, or a liar. At the time. Stupid. Mm-hmm. And uh, 20 years later, he uh, suddenly had an insight and said that was the stupidest thing he could have ever done. But he was doing it. Uh, regularly as his profession for the government to to campaign against Linus Pauling and the anti-bomb people. Yes, he was one of the main spokesmen for the um, Atomic Energy uh, uh, Agency, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, And uh, his old stupid arguments are still, uh, you can still find them anywhere on the Internet and in the uh, professional journals of radiation pr- protection. Uh, the industry is never going to give up as long as as they're subsidized and supported by the government. Hmm. And uh, any insight into how he happened to change his mind? It was a sort of an epiphany, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, he said he was uh, in the middle of a talk and uh, said, uh, uh, this is a crazy thing to be saying. Uh, that uh, in, until we know that uh, we're destroying all future generations of humanity, uh, we should go on testing until we're sure. <laughs> and uh, he later said that he and and uh, hundreds of other people in similar uh, positions should be or could be tried for war crimes. Yeah, and there was a quote recently that uh, was in that letter by Chris Busby, uh, Professor Chris Busby, who just wrote a reply. If you search his name, you'll probably find his article on the Internet. Um, just wrote a reply to the atomic industry experts who are denying that there's any danger from the Fukushima uh, plant. And uh, he's quoted Goffman as saying that the nuclear industry is uh, waging war on humanity, which is that's quite a turnaround. Uh, yeah, and and it wasn't really a total turnaround. He still loved atomic bombs. Oh, and and he still really uh, uh, Linus Pauling uh, in 1959 uh, said that uh, the figures for um, a low cancer rate in Denver must be wrong because 
cosmic rays are, give people a lot of radiation. The nuclear industry likes that argument that if you live in Denver or fly in an airplane at high altitude, you're getting many times uh, more radiation than uh, breathing fallout from uh, the nuclear plants. Uh, and because of several, uh, I guess, uh, both personal and scientific reasons, both Pauling and Goffman uh, never gave up that basic perception that uh, would tend to validate those propaganda uh, lines of the nuclear industry. Hmm. Uh, just before he died, uh, Goffman was still uh, saying that that you get more radiation by living in Denver than at sea level. It's true that the, a certain kind of radiation is more intense, but the cosmic rays that they're talking about are relatively harmless uh, compared to uh, if you um, are at sea level where you get fewer of the primary cosmic rays, you get secondary and tertiary cosmic rays that deliver their energy into your body at a much higher rate. Uh, so uh, the um, one of the most popular arguments of the industry is that anyone who flies or lives in the mountains uh, has nothing to complain about uh, getting some isotopes from the industry. Uh, but it's a, a total, total... Uh, deception and it's sort of um, sad that Goffman and Pauling never never uh, investigated the issue enough to to be able to knock that one down too mm -hmm. well can can you knock it down for us Ray because I don't think you've quite explained why the cosmic uh, radiation isn't the same as ionizing radiation well the um, idea of linear energy transfer is the essential thing and the higher the velocity of a particle uh, the less likely it is to stop in your tissue and if you look at a track of a particle going through a, a target or a piece of tissue uh, when you find one that is uh, losing enough energy that it's coming to rest the track uh, at the where it enters the tissue is only a, a, a pale gray uh, showing not much interaction with the substance. And as it uh, slows down, it's uh, like the point of a pencil. Uh, the chemical reactions uh, become uh, saturating and, and black, uh, exposing the... Uh, the film or whatever it's stopping in, hmm. uh, the, the ionization becomes extremely intense at the uh, the very last uh, micron or, or two of, of movement of the particle through the tissue. It delivers all of its remaining energy right in that cell. Uh, but if it passes through you at a high velocity, uh, very little radiation is lost. And... Um, so the, the um, type of radiation that, that we're exposed to when the cosmic ray primary goes through us, it's uh, 
the decelerating type of radiation where the particle is weakly deflected by passing through uh, near our the atoms in our body but the um, the energy delivered is is very small per unit of tissue hmm. and experiments have been done uh, showing that the um, their um, secondary and tertiary particles uh, mostly are ending right near the surface of the earth and so those are the ones which are doing um, most of the biological damage from cosmic rays so it, it's uh, as far as the cosmic rays are concerned it's it's worse to uh, live at sea level but the industry uh, argues the reverse that uh, uh, high altitude is where you're getting the worst radiation so they they're turning the uh, evidence exactly upside down to support their interests. They do the same thing with uh, the idea of, of radon gas. Uh, they say uh, people who are exposed uh, to radon in their homes mm -hmm. have less lung cancer than uh, people who aren't exposed. Therefore, <laughs> radiation is good for you. But uh, the um, lung is the place that's least exposed to radon it dissolves in fat tissue and the brain being mostly fat is where uh, your, your fat uh, subcutaneous fat and brain uh, get most of the radon exposure and in fact the figures show that dementia corresponds very closely to radon exposure so you're saying the radon actually ends up in your brain if you're exposed to it, yeah. and over time that might cause uh, Alzheimer's or dementia? Yeah, but the industry uh, says since you breathe it, you would uh, expect lung cancer, but no, you wouldn't expect it because it goes through your lung in a fraction of a second. Hmm. And uh, does that coincide with radon maps of the United States? Uh, yeah, dementia does, mm -hmm. but uh, lung cancer doesn't because it's it's a complete irrelevancy. I see. So it's a, a little bit of a red herring they're they're raising there again. Yeah. Uh, some of the other experiments with um, cosmic rays that uh, make the uh, linear energy transfer uh, very clear, uh, putting. Uh, about a half an inch of lead as a roof over animals uh, will um, cause them to um, miscarry or become sterile or develop cancer and other diseases at a very high rate. Uh, and that's because of the uh, slowing effect of the lead on the cosmic rays, uh, increasing the probability of of them uh, coming to rest so, in your in your cells. So a slow cosmic ray is is somewhat equivalent, possibly, to uh, inhaling one of the uh, the lower, um, less harmful emitters. But once you inhale it, uh, and it lodges in a certain part of your tissue, all that energy is delivered right to one set of one part of your tissue. Yeah, yeah, it's the um, coming to rest in your tissue that delivers the 
deadly energy. And the um, besides that killing, mutating energy, the decelerating uh, energy uh, that, that's um, less harmful immediately, it still can have uh, long-range effects by uh, giving misleading signals to the developing uh, cell interactive systems. Um, one of the, the basic tricks uh, behind this idea that uh, radiation is only dangerous if it kills or mutates is uh, the research done with bacteria. And they extrapolate from bacteria to human beings, and uh, they to do that successfully, they just have to leave out the the later lifetime effects of the radiation on that individual, and then the subsequent generations' effects. I see. They they're they're using radiation to model what might happen to uh, humans or other mammals. I mean, on, on based on bacteria. On bacteria, right? And uh, they only studied over a short period of time. Uh, yeah, just just the instantaneous mutating effects. Oh, are, I see. Are what they're looking at, where uh, Carmel Mothersill and her uh, collaborators have um, demonstrated the bystander effect, uh, the, the, what what it is that's transmitted through the body fluids when a man's head is irradiated. Or a woman's head, and the baby is affected. Mm-hmm. Um, she and her group have uh, shown that you can irradiate uh, cells enough to cause death and mutations and so on in in a culture dish, and then you can take the fluid from those cells and add it to uh, fresh cells, and you get those cells behave. Um, just as if they had been irradiated too, uh, analogous to the effect of the serum from the Chernobyl workers causing chromosome breaks in in uh, cells from healthy people. So there's some sort of instability that uh, that's set up. Uh, yeah, and one of the transmitters that uh, they have identified, there are probably a lot of uh, things that cells emit when they're uh, stressed, uh, one that they've tested is simply serotonin, and uh, they found that uh, serotonin level uh, of um, 25 nanograms per milliliter uh, produced by the uh, radiation-damaged cells was enough to uh, transmit genomic instability to, to new cells. Hmm. And, uh, and that's without any extra radiation added. That's just... So. Yeah, that, that's just the um, indirect effect transmitted through the fluids. And uh, if they irradiated fish in water and then put new fish in the water, <laughs> they suffered uh, similar effects transmitted from the uh, secretions into the water of the injured fish, hmm. uh, causing similar injury in the unexposed fish. That's uh, very interesting. That's pretty recent research. I'm looking at your uh, the references in your paper, and that's 2007. So is this 
fairly new evidence that's coming to light? Um, yeah, these few people are, if you look up bystander effect, mm-hmm. uh, you'll find hundreds of articles over the last 10 years. But uh, I was running into it in Russian research in the 1960s already. Uh, they found that, in fact, I incorporated some of those ideas into my uh, thesis work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they showed that uh, first they would irradiate an animal's head and show that it uh, affected the pregnancy later. Uh, but then uh, they found that irradiating any part of the animal had the same estrogenic effect, and uh, they used the term stressin as as a name for uh, the unidentified substance mm-hmm. uh, secreted by the injured tissue that would then uh, transmit a genetic instability uh, to the rest of the organism and the offspring. Hmm. That's, but, uh, that's... The, um, the so-called stressins are, are now gradually being identified as, as the uh, uh, cytokines that, and serotonin and other things that injured cells produce. It's interesting uh, you brought up Russian research because one of the things I wanted to talk about today uh, was uh, the different interpretations of what happened to Chernobyl at Chernobyl with the meltdown there of the reactor back in 1986. We're just about at the 25th uh, year anniversary of that event. And um, and the uh, World Health Organization, in association with the uh, International uh, Atomic Energy Agency, an UNSEER, which is a committee of the UN, uh, has issued some, several uh, studies about Chernobyl and their assessment of the damage done by Chernobyl uh, radically differs with a Russian study uh, that just came out a year ago. Uh, I think they said, uh, you know, immediately, um, UNSEER basically said that the only people who were harmed were the immediate workers and then there's been some uh, thyroid problems that could have been alleviated if the government had acted quickly and issued uh, uh, potassium iodine uh, for those children who were exposed. Uh, the Russian study, which I have the book in front of me, is quite uh, amazingly thorough-looking and uh, it's taken them many years to put together, uh, has said that om- over a million people have almost died, have died, excuse me, with many, many more to come. Yeah, the the Western journals reviewing, uh, I think it was 300 basically Western articles published in in languages that Americans could read, mm-hmm. uh, concluded that 28 people died as a result of Chernobyl, or maybe as many as uh, 60 or 70 uh, died from uh, cleaning up Chernobyl. Yeah, uh, the uh, this group that that wrote the book, uh, looked at, I think it was 5,000 studies and concluded that uh, a million people were killed. Yeah, and and, and it's not over yet because that pollution is still on the ground. Um, That's the sort of difference that I've always uh, seen that has led me to read uh, foreign uh, science by preference to um, American uh, I started running into it. Uh, I think I mentioned uh, previously 
uh, the book by Carl Lindegren called Cold War in Biology. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, documented the um, firings of college professors and even high school teachers who uh, questioned the um, neo-Darwin uh, approach to biology. And um, so I was aware that you couldn't trust American genetics and biology professors uh, since that uh, uh, academic cleansing process had been done in the late 1940s. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it sounds like science, uh, especially, well, maybe in every country, it's a very, it's a political occupation because I'm speculating that people's jobs depend on taking certain points of view and, and holding them dear and not deviating from them, uh, such as you were talking about genetic dogma that's uh, the majority view or the consensus in this country uh, is not necessarily agree with uh, other people's theories. Um, yeah, that's um, the idea of having a, a consensus of, of scientists and of peer-reviewed journals and so on. I see it as exactly the same as people who form their political views by taking a consensus of what the network newscasters are saying. Uh, that's really how it works. Uh, it, it does form the political opinions of most Americans to, to watch the news and uh, listen to the network radios. Mm-hmm. Um, today, speaking of the news, we there was on Democracy Now!, which is actually coming up in about 10 minutes, uh, people who listen to that will hear uh, George Monbiot, who's a English environmentalist uh, and a, a writer who writes in The Guardian, uh, debating Helen Caldicott over nuclear power. Uh, George Monbiot uh, has witnessed the events at Fukushima uh, on through the news, as we all have uh, so far, and... Uh, he wrote an article saying that those events have actually convinced him that uh, nuclear power is the answer because he said that uh, hard you know we've had a terrible accident there and yet hardly anybody is hurt and he basically based that uh, assumption he's making on the uh, unseer and uh, the IAEA uh, UN uh, health reports of what happened to the people at Chernobyl where he said only 43 deaths resulted. And um, Helen Caldicott thought that was an outrageous lie and an insult to the people uh, who actually did die in Chernobyl. And he accused her of uh, being a conspiracy theorist because, of course, um, an organization as, as prestigious as uh, the UN Committee on, on Radiation wouldn't uh, fabricate anything. And Can you give us your take on that, Ray? Uh, well, the, the the UN is uh, really primarily uh, the uh, instrument of the imperialist countries, and uh, the nuclear industry wouldn't exist without the uh, political support of the of the states, which represent corporate interests, and uh, the. Uh, the whole system works together. Uh, the um, public is is taxed to uh, finance the nuclear 
industry and uh, the the state and the corporations uh, support the universities and the broadcast media and and uh, so science has to uh, the same way as the um, uh, who gets invaded uh, it isn't a, a matter of of who is uh, doing something objectively it, it's who is hurting whose interest and uh, the Helen Caldicott is uh, threatening to hurt the interests of the nuclear industry and so the the whole system uh, has to exclude people like that hmm. you said that Linus Pauling uh, had his uh, passport revoked for taking stands against uh, the development of nuclear weapons and above above ground testing yeah and uh, professors um, even when I was in uh, graduate school in biology uh, when he uh, had his passport revoked, uh, the um, faculty, even at Caltech, were uh, basically shunning him, and uh, that I think motivated him to to leave there under pressure. Hmm. And uh, the, even as recently as 1970, uh, in the academic world. Uh, he was considered a quack and sort of an outcast. And uh, just because of his radiation peace position. Right. Uh, we're almost out of time. We have about uh, eight minutes left maximum. And I was looking at the Chernobyl book. Uh, it's called uh, Chernobyl Consequences of the Catastrophe for People in the Environment by Alexei Yablokov Vasily. Nestorenko and Alexei Nestorenko, and it was uh, edited by Janet Sherman, uh, who's a, an American doctor, and published by the uh, Annals of the New York Academy of Sciences. And in it, it has some very interesting uh, statistics about disease in the United States, uh, and linking that to fallout. And it shows a, a huge uh, from. Uh, looking at the incidence of thyroid cancer in children, uh, a huge incidence uh, starting in uh, 1935, uh, it, the thyroid cancer incidence uh, quadruples. Um, and I know we're told always that uh, the cancer rate is going down, but it's things like that that make me doubt that. Um, I, yeah, and uh, Chris Busby's uh, article mentioned his research uh, showing that just a small increase uh, above background radiation was enough to cause uh, something like a, a 20 to 90 percent increase in uh, leukemia if it was uh, prenatal exposure. And uh, when people say, it's, oh, it's only 50 percent added to background radiation, as if uh, that's nothing. Uh, an alternative point of view would be, uh, well, let's see your evidence that background radiation is so safe. Uh, can you prove that it, it isn't killing 100 million people every year? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because everyone is exposed to it, and uh, it's known that that kind of radiation causes all kinds of disease, including infectious disease susceptibility. 
heart disease, brain disease, and so on. We, we and, uh, the the, um, the people selling mammograms uh, and other X-ray treatments or tests uh, use that sort of comparison to background. But uh, when you uh, take your uh, focus away from what what they're specifically talking about, uh, some Swedes did uh, a big study uh, about 10 years ago on uh, the population who had been uh, given mammograms. They, they had noticed that the cancer mortality didn't decrease in Sweden, although uh, most of the women were getting mammograms. And so they compared the ones who had had them and the ones who hadn't, and they saw that maybe uh, there was one uh, uh, one fewer cases of, of uh, death from breast cancer, but for every six increased deaths from something else, uh, heart disease, for example. Uh, oh. And uh, Goffman showed that uh, all kinds of medical x-rays to the chest uh, increase heart disease as well as breast cancer. Hmm. Uh, but uh, when you limit the the, the uh, thing that you're focusing on and forget total mortality, uh, then you can, uh, with a little uh, jiggling of the of the figures, you can get a, a slight decrease in a certain kind of mortality. But uh, basically, uh, any exposure to um, ionizing radiation is going to increase your um, uh, chances of having a bad outcome, even if it's years and years later. So in the few minutes we have left, Ray, maybe you can summarize. We have some background radiation going up now because of uh, Fukushima and that disaster. Maybe you can just uh, quickly outline what people can do to minimize their exposure. Um, yeah, uh, if a very intense cloud comes by with... Uh, uh, a lot of radioactive iodine. The thyroid is is the first thing that's uh, able to be protected by uh, eating iodine-rich foods or taking enough thyroid to suppress your thyroid-stimulating hormones so the gland becomes inactive. Uh, a spoonful of powdered kelp or other seaweed uh, will um, pretty well saturate your body so you don't take up the radioactive iodine and uh, uh, some of the things being recommended uh, neglect the fact that uh, the iodine is only going to protect your thyroid, but if you take too much iodine and suppress the function of your thyroid gland, you're going to um, slow all of your metabolic processes, including the uh, DNA repair enzymes. So uh, keeping your metabolic rate high uh, by avoiding the, um, the toxic foods is very important for your general uh, long-range resistance to radiation. The iodine uh, danger is passed in about six weeks after the accident. Uh, so the long-range uh, things such as cesium and strontium, uh, you want to uh, help to wash those out of your body after they've been taken in, mm-hmm. and uh, eating a calcium-rich diet and a potassium-rich diet uh, will 
increase the turnover uh, of these in your tissues, while a, a thyroid-supporting diet uh, low in the polyunsaturated fats will uh, increase the repair processes and uh, prevent, to some extent, those long-range bystander effects that that can uh, increase for years after the exposure. And you mentioned red light before. Is that a, is that an effective technique? Uh, yeah. During, uh, for example, if if you're near uh, a flash of uh, radiation, if you have a, a a CAT scan or some kind of very intense uh, radiation, uh, those effects will linger as excited uh, molecules in your tissue for hours. So if in the first hour after you get a flash exposure of intense radiation, you get lots of sunlight, or in the absence of sunlight, you want bright incandescent light that's rich in the red spectrum. Mm. It's the red frequency that uh, uh, deactivates those excited electrons in molecules following uh, intense radiation. And I suppose it would be best to avoid uh, uh, milk from cows that are eating in the field, uh, if, if that comes by. Well, uh, yeah, but uh, I, 40, 50 years ago, looked at the figures for um, the amount of radiation in milk and in vegetables. Mm-hmm. And uh, the government was telling people to avoid milk uh, that the cows had uh, just absorbed the strontium into. Yeah. And I saw that if you ate vegetables uh, in, for your nutrients, you would be getting several times more strontium than you would from the milk because the cow has uh, concentrated calcium where the plants uh, tend to receive a high proportion of strontium from the fresh fallout. Hmm. So the cow is a good filter even during uh, the fallout storm. All right. Well, Ray, thanks so much for uh, your knowledge and advice and uh, and for talking to us today. Okay. Thank you. All right. T- goodbye for now. Mm-hmm, bye. And unfortunately, we're out of time. Once again, this has been Politics and Science. I'm John Barkhausen, and you're listening to WMRW LP Warren, and the preceding and the following show uh, did and does present the viewpoints of its participants and does not necessarily represent an official opinion of any other person or organization. Some past editions of this show can be found at radioforall.net. Search for Politics and Science. That's radio, the number four, ALL.net.